podcast features adult subject matter, adult language, and things not meant for children to hear. Viewer discretion is advised. You've been warned. And we are live, live, ladies and gentlemen, here on the I'm No Joe podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. This is the 50 third episode can you believe this shit show has been rolling for 53 episodes so far holy shit so first and foremost thank you to everyone for tuning in and helping us get to 53 fucking episodes here uh we have got a very very interesting episode for you this evening um first and foremost before we get into that we'll take just a moment here and thank the fine folks who've come along to help me turn this shit show into a fun time of shenaniganry uh first and foremost the man the myth the legend the one and only ned divine how you doing sir What's up? Episode 53. I can't believe I've done four of these already. Jesus. Right? You're almost a double <laughs> digits at this rate, man. It's going to be a habit. <laughs> oh, man. What's yeah. up, everybody in chat? Let's talk about these fights. Hell yeah. We got some good ones. So, as is the case more often than not across the octagon from myself, my brother from another mother, my combat shit-talking homeboy, the man, the myth himself, Golf Tea Vapes, how you doing, sir? Excellent. I'm wondering how many things I'm going to fuck up on tonight, being as <laughs> I did no research because this part really does me interest. Oh, yeah, all. no. it's it, This is, this is going to be an, an interesting episode for everyone tuning in. I promise you that one. So, um, as has been told to me by people smarter than myself, before we get into the full content, I will take a moment here and let you find folks know that if you enjoy the content that we provide here on the I'm No Joe Show, please check us out in all of our social media platforms for the variety of content that we do produce. 
I'm No Joe on pretty much all social media platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, the all audio version to help you keep from getting distracted by these Instagram influencer faces of ours on anchor.fm slash I'm No Joe. You can find us just about everywhere. Mixer.imnojoe for some video games. And if you want to join in, help support the show, and get access to some behind-the-scenes shit that nobody else gets to see, patreon.com slash imnojoe. So, with that out of the way, this is... I'm going, I've said it a bunch of times already, and I'm going to say it a bunch more before it's over, so I apologize in advance, folks. This is an interesting card, and the reason I say that is because it's probably the best descriptive word for the card that we've got here. So before we get to that interestingness, let's start the way we like to start around here. Get right down into the news in recent events. The fight announcements, the goings-on, the things that need mentioning to the fine folks that are listening and watching along here since the last time we saw you wonderful folks. Um, first and foremost, right out of the gate, first thing I want to talk about here, um, it's not getting a lot of press for some reason, I'm not sure why, um, two days ago it was announced that PFL, the Professional Fighters League, I'm using air quotes for those of you just listening, uh, the ones who offer the million-dollar per-weight division uh, title run, and they score it like a, a regular sports league. They do playoffs and shit like that. Um, I, I will say this. They, they're starting to get some more notoriable names in their organization, but it seems like they might have skittered across a little bit of a speed bump in their attempts to try and grow themselves as quickly as they're really trying to branch out. Um, they announced this week that they had partnered with an organization called the RCC, uh, a little company out of Russia who uh, has multiple different ties for fight fixing and money laundering and uh, bet influencing and, and things of that nature. So um, it looks like those million dollar per weight class prizes might have a little bit of dirty money funding them at this point. And they're not even trying to hide it. They were completely transparent. I will give them that. They were open about the partnership announcement. The fact that they made this partnership, though, is the thing that is very worrisome because the company that they partnered with is also transparent in their corruptness. So it's like it's a mixed bag because, you know, on one hand, as, as a fight fan, I do want to see the PFL grow. They are absolutely not anywhere near where they think they are right now. But the better that they do, the better that Bellator does, the better that BKFC and all these other organizations do, the more competition there is and the higher the level, the higher the bar gets raised. So everybody wins. We get better fights. We get more fights. Everybody wins if it's done right. When you get fight fixers and, and dirty fucking bet makers like the Pete Rose of MMA is not a thing that we want to be talking about. So we got to find a happy medium for this. So we're definitely going to need to keep an eye on the PFL because it. I have a feeling with this kind of thing going on is either going to skyrocket to the top questionably fast or quite the opposite. The people that did invest in them are going to see what they're up to now and just pull their money back and step out and be like, nah, this, this is not how we're going to do this. But, moving along from there, um, we did get a couple of different event announcements this week for the, uh, I guess, early summer lineup, uh, phase two, if you will, of the uh, combat season for 2020. 
Um, the first announcement that we got, um, the Submission Underground 12 um, expanded card. They are sticking with the same format, singles tournament, gi and no gi. They are looking to put on another tag team jiu-jitsu as a main event. They are restructuring the rules and getting a new referee this time. They're in the process of trying to get multiple referees to do the entire event, just like regular MMA events do. If they're in a cage, might as well ref it like, you know, it's an actual MMA setup if that's what they're going for. Hopefully, that will be better. As of right now, it is still set to go on in Portland again. So if you are in the PNW, March 29th, you have a chance to go see one hell of a show that they are lining up already. They have got a bunch of the big names from Eleven coming back, plus a bunch of new people that want in on this shit. Uh, SUG, Submission Underground, Uncle Chael's grappling organization is absolutely growing, and that one looks to be pretty interesting stacking up as well. Um, the next announcement that we got this week um, was kind of less an announcement of a thing, more of a confirmation of a date and a place for an event that they'd already been building up. Um, UFC 251 was officially confirmed to be going down June 7th in Perth, Australia, and it will be headlined officially by the return Max Holloway versus Alex Volkanovsky for the belt. They're running it back. I'm very happy, very happy to see that one getting run back immediately because we've had a lot of very close matchups lately, and a lot of them I feel warranted being directly, immediately rematched. Let both of them, gentlemen or ladies, you know, have as much time as they need to heal, but the next contender in line needs to wait for some of these really close title matches that we have seen recently. And I'm very happy to see Max Holloway, of all the people that could, is the one who is getting his. Because we, we're pretty sure Reyes isn't getting an immediate rematch. They've already confirmed Cejudo versus Aldo for the 135. So... It's, there's interesting matchups being made. This is the one that I'm, I'm very optimistic about. I think, I don't know, we'll have to wait and see how we get closer to that fight, but I think that's going to be one hell of a headline for Perth, Australia, June 7th. Um, a couple of interesting, not necessarily fight announcements, but interesting MMA announcements nonetheless. Um, first one, Juan Adams, who just suffered a loss on, uh, what was it, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, um, had, was immediately released from the UFC uh, the following week, and as of this week, has officially signed with an organization we were just talking about last week, who's starting to scoop up some of these UFC guys, Aries Fighting Organization. So this makes five still fairly relevant and very potentially viable fighters released from the UFC that Aries has picked up in a row. And again, they said with Juan Adams, just like we talked about last week with the other fighters that they picked up, they're aiming to get him right in there before the end of summer. So they're not trying to let him sit on the shelf. Aries is actually really starting to pick up a lot of talent that is worth watching. And they're starting to put on some pretty good organizational fights. If we can get them a little more publicity, a little better broadcasting on those fights, I think they're going to start to grow a little bit faster, but this is another one of the organizations that if you're a fan of combat sports, if you're a fan of the fights like we are, it's something to keep on the back burner here because they're starting to really get serious about this and they're really starting to, to simmer as an organization, and I'm very happy to see that. Um, the next uh, 
statement, I guess, uh, I want to address real quick. Um, <laughs> actually, I think what I'm going to have to do tomorrow, TJ and I were actually talking about this earlier. I think what I'm going to have to do tomorrow, specifically because I'm going to talk about it now, is I'm going to have to put that video on the I'm No Joe Instagram page stories. So if you're not following the I'm No Joe Instagram page, you're going to want to go follow that at least until tomorrow. And then I don't blame you if you unsubscribe. It's a shit show. I run it. So I know. Uh, but I, I did take a video earlier this evening that directly pertains to what we're about to talk about here. Um, since suffering the absolute undeniable and flat out fucking brutal ass whipping Deontay Wilder suffered at the hands of the Gypsy King last weekend. Um, it, it's been an interesting cavalcade of news coming out of the Wilder camp. Um, for those of you who didn't see it and haven't seen the What Did I Say show from last weekend, first of all, go fucking watch the recap show. It tells you all the shit that happened. You don't have to watch the fights. But secondly, um, Deontay Wilder after his corner threw in the towel to stop the fight after multiple knockdowns and just not ever getting any traction in the match against Tyson Fury, um, his corner threw in the towel and stopped the fight for him in round seven. Uh, when they did the post-fight interviews, as it were, in the ring, which is fucking weird in boxing and I don't really understand it, but that's a different story for a different day. Um, but when they did the in-ring interviews with Deontay Wilder, he was even a little bit confused and, and said, firstly, that, you know, I'm a soldier and I just wish that my team would have let me go out on my shield like a soldier. Just that, that's the first point that bears mentioning. Then he followed that with, I have no excuses. He was the better man tonight. The better man won. Tyson Fury is the champion. No excuses for me. We'll come back and we'll do it again. That's, that's kind of what you want to hear from a guy that just got beat. Be a good sport about it. Own that shit. You got beat. He was the better man tonight. We'll run it back and I'll get my fucking belt back. That's how you're supposed to handle that as a champion, as an undefeated until now, 48 and 0 champion. That's how you're supposed to handle yourself. A couple days go by and that regret of the fucking loss apparently started to just eat at Deontay Wilder's brain and apparently that loss is still eating at his brain to this day but he started releasing little excuse after little excuse and little thing about well you know I was I was a little worn down I was a little overtrained going into this fight to begin with and that might have affected my cardio overall and then he releases this absolute gemstone of a polished turd in the form of a statement that says, and I quote, the uniform, uniform I wore to defend my belt against Tyson Fury weighed over 40 pounds and we had it on in the back for over 10 minutes. Then the walk to the ring with the mask on on top of that, by the time I climbed into the ring, I knew the game had changed. I really need to get that Gizzard Stew judgmental gif. I really, I need it. First off, oh, dude, that bedazzled Sauron cosplay outfit, first and foremost, get the fuck out of here. 
No one made you wear that shit. Secondly, secondly, uniform? Are you fucking kidding me? That shit is a uniform? No, sweetheart, accept it. That's cosplay. You're wearing a costume. That's not a uniform. Thirdly, you chose this fucking costume to wear. And then the fourth part that really just fucking boils my blood, the walk out to the fucking ring was 175 feet. He didn't have a full arena tour walkout like fucking UFC fighters have. He walked less than 200 fucking feet in his little pretty, pretty princess outfit. And he's saying that literally sapped his legs the equivalent of a full 12-hour workout, and he knew it in round two that he was in trouble. Fuck all the way off. This is the kind of bad sportsmanship that we say time and time again turns people away from the sport of boxing. You were a 48-0 legendary fucking champion destined for the Hall of Fame. You lost, uh, or you won rather, a very close battle. And then in the rematch, your opponent came back better and beat you. Own the defeat gracefully, come back, take your rematch for this, and try and get that belt back. But then if you do this whiny bullshit with a series of fucking excuses like this, Not acceptable. Not fucking acceptable. It's uh, sad. I think the, the worst part of all of this is, okay, let's say you call it a uniform, okay? Uh, I know it's cosplay. It's costume. It's part of the hype train. You chose that shit. You decided. This is exactly what we're going to do. You tried it on in the gym. You knew how long it took them to button all that shit up because you weren't smart enough to do it with something lightweight that you could zip on and zip off. Velcro. Fuck. Yeah. He's not even good at cosplay. And look, <laughs> don't get me wrong. If it's a cosplay thing, dude, I'm behind it. It's fucking right. cool. Do your thing, man. But don't bitch about it. Look, here's where this gets really bad. I'm a soldier. I wanted to go out on my shield. Great. I know plenty of soldiers, being one myself formerly, that carried around way more than 40 fucking pounds and were willing to go out on their shield. But they didn't say, oh, it took the legs out of me after I wore it for 12 fucking hours. Not 10 minutes. Not 20 minutes. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna, I'll say this. I will say maybe you weren't for a total of 30 minutes. That's them getting you in it. Right. Standing in your back total, for 10, yeah. 15 minutes, whatever it was. Then your slow roll up to the fucking ring. Let's say 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes tops. That's 40 pounds is not going to sap you in that amount of time. Not when you're standing. Not when you're walking. Maybe... If you were out running with that 40 pounds for right. like, let's say 12 miles, yeah, you're going to be a little sad. Yeah. Been down that road. I know how that works. Biggest amount of bullshit I've ever heard in my life. Look, you were 48 and up. Fantastic. You're still going to end up in the Boxing Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. That's just how that works. Oh, yeah. But don't blame it on something stupid. And look, 
this is where I have to give you a little bit of leeway. This is your first professional loss. Own it. I get it. You've never lost before, so you're not sure how to own it. You did very well in the ring after the fight. Yeah, absolutely. Considering I'm still not a fan of the way boxing handles that. If you just got TKO'd, tall got thrown on you, you shouldn't be talking to any media after a fight. No. You should, you be, should be headed to straight to the locker room to get checked out. Yeah. Boxing's fucked up for that. But you handled it like a true champ. And that was fantastic to see. But to let the wheel spin on it, I get it. You're going to, for probably a couple weeks, maybe a month or two, have that shit running through your head of what was it that caused it. Don't go back and look at the tape and realize, hey, I just got all boxed and say that. No, God forbid we do that. You're going to come up with some bullshit. Not a fan of that. Do yourself a favor, retract the statement, be like, you know what? I'm just making excuses. Excuses are like assholes. Everyone has one and they all stink. Mine stunk just as bad as everyone else's and move on. I'm just saying, um, bullshit. But, you know, um, you can't say you want to go out on your shield as a soldier, then complain about your uniform weighing you down. Soldiers don't do that. Can you Shut imagine, the fuck up. Can you imagine if a, if a medieval battle, if a, like an entire squadron of fucking knights came back to the kingdom all fucking beat up and said that, well, you know, we, we would have won, but our armor was too heavy. So when we got there, they just ran us over. Yeah. We'd all be speaking Roman right now. We'd all be speaking Roman or Persian right now. (laughs) Kneeling. We'll give you everything you want as long as you kneel before us. Fuck you. Right? Oh, kids these days, I tell you. But... (laughs) (laughs) moving along from there nicely done sir (laughs) moving along from there um we did get some interesting announcements here um the first one april 11th the portland card has had a fight moved to it from a different card uh we will now on that april 11th portland card be seeing one Derek brunson versus edward shabar excuse me edmund shabasian I mixed it up because that's his coach's garbage fucking name. Um, I'm very interested to see how that fight plays out because unless Shabazian has got a horseshoe wedged completely up his ass, I have a feeling Derek Brunson is going to steamroll the fuck through him. But we'll find out in a little over a month when we get to that one. Um, the next interesting announcement, well, not really announcement, but uh, statement again, I guess would be the right word here. Um, after the fucking shit show of a uh, ending to the submission only, or excuse me, submission underground 11 match between Aluminum Mike Perry and Rage and Al Iaquinta, um, despite the clear incompetence by the referee and total fucking bullshit of giving the win to Mike Perry when he was in the process of being submitted via Twister by Ally Aquinta, and the crowd screamed and let them know, the Twister's real, bro. Um, Ally Aquinta still respectfully shook Aluminum Mike's hand and then went backstage and did his uh, post-fight interview, as it were, and said that, you know, despite how this ended and that they all know that this was a victory because of refereeing incompetence, quite literally and very clearly, go watch that replay if you think I'm exaggerating. Um, 
he would still love to give Mike Perry the chance to actually do it for real in the UFC anytime he feels the urge to make 155 to have Dana send him the contract, and he would be more than happy to take that fight. But in the meanwhile, what he would like would respectfully to have a match with Dustin Poirier. He feels that skill-wise, talent-wise, they are a very on a very similar level and that he would very much enjoy a fight with him. No shit-talking, just two respectful individuals going to have an MMA match. And I think it's a great fucking call-out. I think that Al's current ranking in the UFC is absolute bullshit. And equally, I think Dustin's super fucking high ranking right now is equally bullshit. I think Al got dropped way too far for the losses that he took and I think Dustin didn't drop far enough after how fucking far he jumped up to get to his title shot I feel that they really are both around a number five and I think they really would make a good matchup not to mention I'm still a little pissed off at what I've seen out of Dustin talking about fucking Al that way yeah guess and, what? yeah um, he's, he's got a little bit I of a potty pants crying about last time I checked Al didn't fucking get submitted by fucking Khabib. No. On 24 hours notice, Al went five hard fucking rounds, and I, amongst many other people, believe that Al actually probably fucking won that fight. But full kid Dustin... Dustin, suck it up. You actually tapped out to the champ, whereas a guy on 24-hour notice did not. You can shut your fucking mouth right now. You've been running your mouth a lot. Look, I have a lot of respect for you as a fighter, but the way you've been handling yourself outside of the fucking cage is starting to get fucking ridiculous where I'm starting to lose respect for you. Don't get me wrong. You do some great things for your community because I've seen those things, but the way you're talking about other fighters that have done just as well, if not better than you, you need to check your shit at the door. Look, I understand it's the fight game. You're supposed to talk shit. But at least make it worthwhile. Don't make right. it sound like your fucking shit doesn't stink. Um, I'm just saying, there's people who don't tap to the champ. Well, that That's and it. the UFC already has a Colby and a Cejudo. We don't need a fucking another cringy heel. This isn't Dustin's character. We've seen, if nothing else, we have undeniably seen a turn in Dustin's personality both online and in interviews since losing to the champ and he seems to be embracing that sour puss of a fucking heel persona and I agree with you completely I'm a fan of Dustin Poirier I very much like him and I've liked him for a long fucking time but these antics that he's pulling now that you lost to the champ and then you decided to sit out on the sidelines for nearly a year while you talk shit about everyone else who's still active and now you think that you're going to get to call the shots. Come on, man. It's it's getting hard to, to still have respect for a guy that plays that kind of a bullshit game, really. We're adults, man. Own it. And, Fucking and, own it. Look, I get it. It is all part of the fight game. But, dude, there, there's a time and place for that shit. Look, you guys, aren't, you guys don't even have a fucking fight contract with each other. Be a little more respectful. That dude has done some nasty fucking work. If, you, if you're going to talk about people... Um, fucking poorly. Talk about somebody else who's tapped to the champ or fucking actually been put away by the champ like that. That's right. fine, because then you two are fucking on the same level. Yeah, but I don't exactly. see you calling anybody else out like that, motherfucker. I'm just saying. But, you know, nothing but respect for him, but you really gotta straighten your shit out outside of fucking outside of the cage on the social media posts, dude. Put that shit on chill. Look, 
I see you'll put that, and then you put something of you playing with your daughter. Oh, I want to look wholesome. Next post, cocksucker. Yeah. I think that would be good. Poirier versus Aquinta coming off of losses, and I guess I guess Hooker versus JG coming off of wins. That's Yeah, that's the way that I see it as well, because right now, Hooker is angling for a fight with Poirier because he wants to jump that ranking, because Dustin's still ranked number, I think number three right now. But Dustin's still high ranked, and I believe Hooker is sitting at number seven. So, rank, yeah, rank-wise, even though they're bullshit, rank-wise, if fucking Dan Hooker gets that fight with Poirier and wins it, he's going to call for a fucking title shot. And that's... I've actually been having this argument with several different people online for the last couple days. First and foremost, I have the utmost fucking respect for Eugene Berriman and what city kickboxing is doing down there. But, caveat, with the exception of Israel Adesanya and Brad Quake Riddell, Every other fighter coming out of that gym has jumped the fucking shark to get to the position that they are in. Volkanovski jumped so fucking high up that line off of a couple of decent wins. Kayakara France has jumped into the fucking prospect range, into the top contention, they're calling him now, on a couple of good wins and a couple of losses. We've got now, we're talking about, you know, just fucking ridiculousness coming out of this fucking camp with Dan Hooker now trying to jump his way up to the fucking title shot here without really earning it. And it's, I like I said, I respect the shit I Eugene Berriman and the work that City Kickboxing Gym has put in. However, calm the fuck down. There are people here who have put in much more time and much more blood, sweat, and tears and earned the position that they are in. And you motherfuckers are all trying to cut in line because your homeboy got to the front before you did. Slow your fucking roll, boys. Slow your fucking roll. I'll get off my soapbox now. (laughs) Strong words from a strong man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm 100% behind you. There, you know, and it's about to happen with the rest of them too. I'm guaranteeing it because that's the mindset that I'm noticing City Kickboxing has right now. Yep. And don't get me wrong, they're doing great things in the fucking gym and in the fight game. Yeah. But somebody needs to put their dogs on a fucking leash and get those motherfuckers under control. Um, just at this point, not doing so hot in that category of understanding where they are in the fucking league. Right. No, and that's exactly why I preface that. I 100%, 100 fucking percent agree. Eugene Behrman was fucking 2019 coach of the fucking year. City kickboxing, co- or gym of the fucking year. 100%. They're doing great work. But, getting a little big for you goddamn riches down there. So, move on from that so I can get my blood pressure back to a regulated state. The next fight announcement that I want to talk about real quick a very interesting matchup. See, I told you that word's going to come up a lot tonight. A very interesting matchup. Kind of a two steps forward, one step backwards scenario. A lot would say, some would say, maybe it was just uh, testing the waters and it didn't go well. Now it's back to home field advantage, if you will. Um, the return back down to middle late at 185 of one Chris Weidman versus Jack Hermanson. 
has been added to the May 2nd Oklahoma City card as a potential main event. That, I feel, has all sorts of very strong implications because Jack Hermanson has made himself established as a top fighter in the middleweight division. Maybe not a title contender, maybe maybe not quite top three, but definitely top five in the middleweight division, in my opinion. And we have seen the absolute fucking meltdown of Chris Weidman in both 185 and the attempted move up to 205. And I've said it a million times before, and I'll fucking say it a million times again. Your chin doesn't come back. I don't care what fucking weight class you go to, up, down, sideways. It doesn't fucking matter. When your chin goes as a fighter, it's gone. Ask Chuck Liddell. No matter how hard you fucking train, that chin is gone once it's gone. And once it gets taken... It's easier to get taken every fucking time after that. That's the worst part about it. Not only can you not get it back, but once it's gone, it gets easier to take every fucking time. We have seen Chris Weidman fucking flat out unconscious, whether it's a temporary thing or a flat out knockout. How many fucking times in the last couple of years now, on top of him having spinal surgery to fuse his fucking spinal column together? Come on, man. Come on. He is a great world-class meddled wrestler. There's a time when you have to know that your moment in the fighting arena is over, but you're still very useful in other aspects of it. I have zero fucking doubt in my mind he could, in the drop of a hat, quite literally become an Olympic wrestling coach as soon as he lays down the gloves and isn't boxing anymore. But... For whatever reason, Chris Weidman is just continuing to fucking try it. And I don't know, man. I don't know. I think he's lost too many steps. And I think Hermanson might end up actually watching us send Weidman to Bellator. Because it doesn't feel like he's ready to quit. But it sure as fuck doesn't seem like he can keep up with the boys in the UFC anymore either. So we're getting to a real interesting predicament. You know, I... I don't think Chris Weidman has a chance in hell to win that fight. As much as I would love to see him win again. Yeah, not yeah, not that I don't like him in the least bit. I'm a big fucking fan of Chris Weidman's. I fucking love what he's done. But fucking deep side, man. It's the it's that it's that fall of greatness that we keep seeing over and over and over. Somebody who's done great things. Fucking Put away Anderson Silva not once, but twice. Although the second one was a freak injury, but it was a checked kick that caused it was, that. It, so yeah, it was an intentional move. Yeah, he did it on purpose. So I give him credit for it. Who else yeah, checked I, I Anderson gotta, Silva's kicks back then? Yeah, nobody did. Nobody and he was the first that. one to start doing it and paid dividends. They had literally changed the fucking kick game. Quite literally, it changed the kick game. What he did. Yeah. At least at one eighty-five, oh. anyway. <laughs> But at this point, he's been on a downhill slide since he lost that title. Like, there's been a few little ups in there, but it, he's not the same fighter he was when he was what I will say was the All-American at that point. Right. Uh, at this point, to be honest, I think he's best off getting released, going somewhere where he can make some money and do halfway decent. 
because um, at this point, he sure look. He's got to have some sort of better guarantees, anyways, because he is a former champ, and I've noticed they pay their former champs pretty well, even when they're on a shit show slide. But at this point, he's better off just um, getting his walking papers and heading off into the night, whether it's the Bellator, PFL, even if they are going to be a shit show, whatever, wherever he can make some money. It's not, I don't think it's going to end up well for him. No, I, I don't think that's going to work out. I don't think it's going to work out the way that he thinks it is anyway. But moving along from there, a couple of other announcements here. Um, Thug Nasty himself, Bryce Mitchell, is back to action here. May 2nd on that Oklahoma card, so they're keeping him close to home. Uh, Charles Rosa will be stepping in against Thug Nasty. That is a, a very interesting matchup. I think they are very well stylistically and stat-wise matched up. I think those boys are going to give us one hell of a show in Oklahoma City, regardless of what else that card actually shapes up to end up being. Um, and then the last fight announcement that I want to talk about real quick. A couple other pieces of news, but last fight announcement I want to talk about. We actually had a last-minute switcheroo go on for this weekend's card that we'll get to in just a little bit when we get to meat and potatoes time. Um, violent Bob Ross himself, Luis Pena, has now had a late substitution, and instead of fighting the original scheduled opponent, we'll be facing a uh, premium label, air quote, soup can from the Contender Series in Garcia. So... That will be interesting to see how Violent Bob Ross handles a late-minute substitution for a snazzy soup can from Contender Series. Uh, I think he's still going to do pretty well, but we'll get to that in just a little bit when we get into the meat and potatoes. A uh, couple more little announcements to get over real quick, and then we will get to said meat and potatoes. Um, the, the first one I begrudgingly mentioned, but it's, it's worth mentioning because I fucking guarantee you right now and if for those who are just listening i'm rolling my eyes so hard i can see the back of my fucking skull i guarantee you we will talk about this fucking name again hopefully not for a while but i bet we will um it was announced this afternoon just a few hours ago actually the ufc has officially signed khabib's cousin umar with a 12 and 0 air quotes perfect professional record just like his cousin note the monotone the ufc plans to try and get him in on the card with his cousin if possible but no potential opponents have yet even been considered fucking yay <sighs> but the last piece of news that I want to talk about real quick before we move along. We actually got an... Motherfucker. Just when they're out, just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. Again, another shit show announcement from fucking Texas Athletic Commission. Um, the T... I always want to call it the TLDR, which is extra funny, but it's not. It's TDLR. It's Texas's commission's abbreviatory name. Um, has officially overturned the round one rear naked choke victory of Tito Ortiz versus Albert El Patron in their matchup. 
and has not given a reason for it. Under Texas Commission law, they don't have to give a reason for it, and this is not the first time they have done this in a strange match like this. There have been several. The most notable one was Jessica I's fight two years ago where she won, and then the Texas Commission ruled it a, a loss by no contest, or a loss into a no contest, turned it into a no contest from a victory, uh, later to find out that it was because Jessica I had pissed hot for marijuana while that was still a violation of the USADA terms of agreement. Um, and it took almost a year to find that out when that happened. We may never find out why, not that it's really terribly relevant why it wasn't that great of a matchup to begin with, but it's just interesting to see more fuckery afoot from the Texas Commission that just a couple weeks ago showed us how clearly and gloriously they can fuck up a beautiful thing that you hand to them. So it's nice to see that even on a small scale, they can still fuck up big things. Now, that is all that I have for news and recent events. I don't know if there's anything else that TJ has. I know that you said you had some news as well. Yeah, there's one fight I did want to mention that did get announced, and that is Thug Nasty Bryce Mitchell has a fight coming up against old Boston Strong Rosa himself. Yeah, I got that. Oh, did you? I yeah. must have fucking blanked out for a moment. <laughs> I'm just hoping he fucking gets uh, goddamn some camouflage shorts for this fucking yeah. fight. No, that's, that's why I wanted to mention that one. I, I did want to mention that one because, ironically, Bryce Mitchell does have camo shorts available from Matt Viper. As soon as he announced it in the ring and Reebok didn't, Matt Viper made him some camo fucking jujitsu shorts, nogi shorts, if you will. Um, but yeah, it would really be nice to see if Reebok would get him some goddamn camo shorts before we get him back in the octagon. I think at this point he fucking deserves it. And, um, and has anybody, uh, I've looked and I haven't found anything more on it. Has anybody heard anything more about the, um, possibility of the Masvidal Darren Hill last minute edition. I have not I haven't seen anything else yet. Just I know it was floating out there and there was some rumors floating around. And at this point I think they're rumors at best. And I think that's purely on the fact that I've, um, I've seen a couple of um, videos popping up again of Till and him sitting at the table talking yeah. to each other. But I I doubt that that's going anywhere. I think those are rumors at best, especially as yeah. people can't get a visa to get into the States. Right. And unless they get him on a foreign card again. But right. um, that's what's the next one's Dublin, right? Yeah. Well, and the again, these are, at this point, rumors. But we, we've, we were talking about this the other day. We've seen it from multiple places now. There are rumors out there that they are trying to get last minute put together for the March 7th card is the one that I heard. They wanted to add to the March 7th card Darren Till versus Jorge Masvidal, which that run back would be, I think that would be a potential real good fight. But at the same time, I, I kind of understand that at this point, Masvidal's steam has left Till in the dust. And it, it might be might be a questionable thing. It might just be a rumor. It might be both of them trying to keep their names out in the headlines right now. But I still think it would be a great fucking match, especially to add to that fucking card. But... what? What happened to Masvidal Usman? That's that's the thing is that 
Usman had surgery and now he's still talking about how long he's going to potentially be out. So they're still, they're not 100% certain when he's actually going to be able to return. I'm using air quotes for those of you who are listening. Um, they're not sure when he's going to be able to return now, but they've still said that even with being out longer because of the surgery than anticipated, that he'll be back in time to compete well under that uh, one-year unofficial rule that Dana has set that that's the time when we start putting interim belts or talking about stripping a title away. So, like, it looks like Usman is really playing out as much time as he can to hold on to that belt, and I don't know whether that's because he's legitimately hurt that bad and was trying to play it down, or he understands that Jorge's coming to take his head off his goddamn shoulders at this point, but whatever the case may be, it looks like at least the rumors are that Jorge's trying to keep himself active in the meanwhile, potentially. So, yeah. As much as I hate to say that, I think fucking he got to run for his money. Um, and he probably was pretty fucking injured in that fight, and we just didn't know it. Because yeah. look how that Colby fight played out. Colby gave him a run for his fucking money. And everybody said, oh, no, there's, he's going to walk through Colby. He, he didn't. No. I mean, he did in the fucking end of the fight. But it was not a fucking. It was not what a lot of people were expecting. Uh, but I, to be honest, I think he's scared of Masvidal. I really do, and I think that's why he's been pushing it off. And we haven't heard a fight announcement like that because he knows he's going to get the whole buffet. It's not going to be a three-piece in a soda. Yeah, that dude's going to get double stuffed. He's going to go back for seconds and thirds. And- yep. Yeah, that's not going to be an easy fight. He's going to get fucked up in that match. I'm, I'd be willing to put money. And I'm, I'm wondering if he's kind of waiting around to see what happens with Tyquil because Tyquil's got a fight coming up soon, and maybe he's thinking maybe I can run it back to Tyquil yep. so that way I can get a little extra time on the belt here. And to be honest, I think Tyquil goes in there again. I don't think we're going to see the same result. Yeah, I was going to say the same not thing. Not going to sit back and wait for a punch anymore. No, he's, he's not, not sitting on his shit no more. Pajamas. That's right. I think Tyquil is off that comfy train, especially with the press that he's talked about how he was dumb, even though he knew he shouldn't have been, and he blew through all his fucking money while he's a champ, and he's broke now. I don't think Tyquil's doing that, sleeping in silk pajamas, waking up to his own fucking music anymore. I think he's back to getting on that fucking hunger train, and I think we get those two in the octagon again, and it's not going to be anything like the first fucking matchup was, so... I agree with you. I think Kamaru might be making himself a bed that he's not going to want to fucking sleep in. Yeah, and, and the other one that I'm wanting to know what happens with, because I keep seeing little hints out there, uh, McGregor supposedly coming back with a summer fight. Uh, do they know whether it's going to be against Gaethje or fucking who? Or maybe they're trying to do some downplay shit and possibly work him in against Masvidal because that's a huge fucking That's money a fight. Huge right money fight. Yeah, and it, and the the best thing about the Masvidal McGregor fight at 170 potentially is that even if and I I hate to say it this way but knock on wood even if Connor fucking lays out Jorge that doesn't devalue Jorge's stock at 170 in the least bit. That can still be written off as McGregor's weird fucking fluctuation being undetectable and untrackable. You couldn't fucking plan for what Connor's going to do at 170, considering we've only seen him there three times versus a career at 145 and 155. So even if Connor comes up and that match is huge and he loses to Connor, he still holds his fucking place in the 170 division because you know Connor's not trying to go for that 170 belt right now. He's got too much boxing. He's spread way too thin. He wants that Khabib match too fucking hard 
he's not going to go after that 170 belt. Not that I think he would really get it yet, but there's there's interesting ways that could play out too. And the other one I did want to bring up because he made it into the news this week, but um, we still haven't gotten a fight announcement. What's going on with Anthony Rumble Johns? He was out fucking doing sumo for charity. Yes, he was. <laughs> yes, he was. And apparently was not comfortable in the diaper that they put him in. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm just saying, if you go out and look at his Instagram, you'll understand what I was going to say. About. If you check his hilarious. Instagram, you'll understand why we're laughing about it. But um, no, <laughs> he, he's officially said he's coming back to fight. Why haven't we gotten a fight announcement for him yet? What the fuck is going on? I have a feeling that one is waiting to see what plays out with um, Stipe and DC and uh and Ganu Rosenstrike because he already said that he's not coming back to fight nobodies that he knows his time is limited and he's established himself previously as a dominant fucking heavyweight so I agree he doesn't need to start at the bottom of the fucking list but he no, also it, isn't going right for a title shot yet either so I think depending on how honest, the, that shit shakes loose we'll see I'm pretty sure they could give him a top seven or better and he would take the fight yeah maybe I'm just saying purely on the fact of, guess what? You win one in the top seven in the dominant fashion, that puts you an immediate shot for a title shot when right. it comes to the heavyweight division because if you can be the top seven guy, a top seven guy literally can have one fight away from being a fucking title fight. Just purely on the way that division shakes out. The unfortunate part is we have shit being held up right now. Unfortunately, fucking Stipe is sitting up there and... We don't know what the fuck is going on with uh, fucking DC because he said he's if he doesn't get the fight with Stipe, he's not going he's to done. fight again. So yeah, he's, he's holding done. the whole stack up right there. Yeah, which I don't agree with to begin with because that's also the thing that he complained specifically about Stipe doing when he, quote unquote, air quotes for those listening, lost the first time to DC. And I'm not even mad at Stipe for doing it back to no, him. He fuck fucking no. deserves it at this he point. He earns every bit of that shit. Make and, that and fucking bed sleep in it. We're getting some great fight to heavyweight here in, uh, what, two months, is it? A month, two and, a half, month yeah. and a half. Almost out. two months, yeah. Yeah, almost two months out with fucking Rosenstrike and fucking Ganu. That's going to be a war. I mean, fucking black beast's been looking good too still so i'm just yeah, saying plus, there's a lot of shit going Blades on is still hanging in the wings too yeah i'm just saying there's a lot going on there there's a lot of guys in that top bracket that fucking he could come back in and fight that are fucking notches on the belt if you win yeah absolutely anthony rumble johnson did sumo for charity last weekend yes and, uh, substars 11 yes what a coincidence. I'm doing sumo for charity this weekend. Oh, shit. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure that's what you call that at the karaoke bar, but, you know, we'll, we'll let you go with it. <laughs> I'm singing the song Sumo. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was one I did want to bring up because seeing him active, I mean, he's obviously working out and staying yeah, in shape back and into ready. It. Yeah. But we, I, I'm just wondering why no fight announcement why isn't the ufc doing something about that he's got star power behind him that does draw a crowd because people know who he is and they know he has fucking goddamn knockout power in his hands well that and one other thing you also have to take into consideration is that he is also still 
doing security, doing event security at the faceoffs for BKFC as well. So yeah. he's he's still got his hand in a lot of pots as well. So it might not be all the UFC waiting to find him something. It might also be that he's literally got contractual obligations that I'm he still has to travel I'm pretty sure they can find another fucking security guard if he's got a fight coming. Oh, up. no, I, I agree. But at the same time, have you seen how much bigger he is than everyone over at BKFC? That man could, he oh, can yeah. and did break up two very large fights with one arm. <laughs> Yeah, he's a big he's a big boy, and he is I'm, I'm ready to see him back in the heavyweight. I mean, he's the only fighter that we've seen in like fucking five different weight classes, and, right. and do fucking fantastic. And I, I say five different because this goes back to his early career when he was a right. smaller guy. Yeah, he but, he did like a reverse Jared Cannonier. Yeah, he literally <laughs> fucking boom 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 boom. Yeah. For some fucking reason, somehow, yeah, Rumble started down bigger. It. Did he start at 170 or 185? I think he started at 70. I think he started at 170. I think, and if I'm not mistaken, early in his career, he even had a fight at 155, if I remember correctly. I I know he I know he went down to 170. I think he did the majority of his early days shit at 170, but he's now a very well established, very large, full size cut into make 265 heavyweight versus Jared Cannonier, who literally started at 300 pounds, cutting to make. 265 as a heavyweight and is now one of the more dominant 185 pound fighters who is absolutely destined for a shot at that belt if he stays on track so it's like we've seen literally how this course could work going from either direction to the other so i i agree i'm very excited to see rumble get back in there he's always been one of my favorites as well yeah we see him active and so i thought it was something they should bring up because He's in the news, might not be for what he want, we want him in the news for, but he was out <laughs> right. there. Don't get me wrong, it was for it was him and Curtis Blades. Both of them were out there doing it. And, I mean, you're seeing an active fighter who just had a fight not too long ago out there doing this sumo, and he's out there too with him, saying, that, what, what's up with that? Well, let's go. Put those two face-to-face. Fuck it. Oh, shit. No shit. Oof. Oh, but okay. So that is all we have for the news and recent events segment. Now, part of the reason why I said that this episode more than most was going to be an interesting one is that due to the insanity that is life, none of us have had a chance to actually get fight notes for this particular card. So, on one hand, I'm sorry. On the other hand, you're welcome. Ensue interestingness. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the meat and potatoes segment of this particular episode. The reason for the season, the namesake of this particular sowed, as it were, UFC Fight Night Norfolk, Virginia, slash Fight Night 169, slash UFC on ESPN 8. I told you, everybody can make crazy fucking names. UFC is just the longest one so far. But. We're going to do this one full Lumi style. I've got the card pulled up, even though the camera's not going to focus. There we go. I've got the card pulled up on my phone here. We're literally going to take this from the top. And just work our way backwards because, like I said, no notes. We're all winging this one. So, this particular card 
although it is what the fuck is going on with the camera there there we go although it is a fight night is 100% for the most part a filler situation here um, next week we have two belts on the line in UFC 248 so this is very much kind of a uh, an appetizer if you will to keep people's appetite for MMA up before we get into a large meal, an extravagant meal, if you will, next weekend. Uh, that being said, in the filler cards like this, in between the big pay-per-view events, we generally tend to get a good amount of filler fights, and that's absolutely what we've got here. So, starting Fluffy. on the prelims here. What up? I said fluffy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, starting in the prelims here... Um, just taking a quick glance at it, um, not full breakdown worthy, but definitely worth mentioning, I will say, um, TJ Brown versus Jordan Griffin. Um, we have seen Jordan Griffin do some interesting work. There is definitely some potential there. I'm not terribly sure about TJ Brown. He is one of those, uh, character not yet unlocked on the UFC websites as of right now. So best of luck to you, sir. I will definitely be keeping an eye out, but that sets up the fight that I was talking about earlier, the last minute replacement of violent Bob Ross himself, Luis Pena versus the Dana White contender series, flashy soup can Steve Garcia. Um, this is going to be a very interesting fight. We've, we've seen Pena have the ability to take a short notice fight on his contender series match or not contender series. God, I'm sorry. I apologize. I didn't mean that words. Uh, on his ultimate fighter, excuse me, his ultimate fighter appearance where you quite literally have no idea who you could or will end up fighting in the series or in the course of a, a month or two. You've got multiple fights against opponents that you have no time and no tape to train for. So we've seen him have the ability to adjust on the fly to an opponent. Uh, how will it come out in this situation? I, I have a feeling we're going to see violent Bob Ross putting on one of his particular masterpieces. Um, what I did see of Mr. Garcia was not terribly impressive, and I there's plenty of footage out there at this point on Luis Pena's highlight reel. Uh, that man has got a fucking dump truck full of potential in him, and I think we're going to get to see it here. And he absolutely needs to show it because he's had a little bit of a rough go since they brought him into the full-fledged UFC, but uh, I have a feeling this short notice isn't going to throw him off. I think he's going to be just fine. I'm right there with you on this one. It is kind of a bummer to see him get a short notice fight, uh, purely on the fact that it doesn't do a lot for his stock, unless he goes out there and performs how you're supposed to against the last-minute replacement and that's go out there and just completely destroy them. Right. Hats off to Steve Garcia for taking it. Come Absolutely. Come the series on a short notice against somebody who's, at this established. point, uh, he's established in the yeah. UFC. People know what he can do. We've seen it. And I'm just going to say he's going to hide some little bushes over there, and we're not going to tell anybody about it until it's all said and done. Cause that's right. It's your they, world. Make it how you want well, it. That's right. Final <laughs> Bob Ross is going to be fucking painting unicorns in the sky on this one. Yeah, man. I'm kind, I'm kind of upset that that one fight got canceled, the Oliveira versus Mickey Gall. I agree. I think that would have been a fucking great matchup as well. I'm surprised it was so far down. Was it far down on the card, or is it just at the bottom because of it, it was canceled? Because it's canceled, yeah. 
No, they uh, just okay. throw it all up there because it was canceled. No, it was going to be a main. It was going to be a main card fight, I believe. All right. Yeah, no, Luis Pena looks awesome. He's yeah. super tall. Super tall for that weight He's class. A huge definitely. Fucking featherweight man or lightweight yeah. rather. Yeah, seems like a nice guy too. Yeah, it's pretty cool from what I've seen on social media. Seems to be a pretty nice fella. Yeah. So moving along from there, the next fight after this also 100% uh, intrigues the absolute shit out of me. Um, two uh, not new fighters, but both new to the UFC, so to speak. Still fairly early again in their UFC careers, but again... Two very interesting prospective fighters in the heavyweight division, Marcin Tybura and Sergei Spivak. Both of these dudes are big wrestlers with big punching power. Both of them we have seen just get mauled and maul others. So I think putting the two of them against each other is going to be a great stylistic matchup. It's going to be who can really impose their will and who can take control and really establish their game plan and stick to it early on because they're both realistically, in my opinion, fairly equally matched on skill and technique level. So it could realistically, for me at least, go either way. I think it's going to come down to who can get in there and establish themselves and hold control of that fight. But I have a feeling Mr. Spivak is going to be able to do it. I like Marcin Tybura, but I think we might see a Spivak victory here, man. I'm kind of tossed up on this fight because both of them had a wee bit of a rough go of it in the UFC so far. Yeah. Don't me wrong. Um, the Polar Bear's coming off, or Spivak's coming off the fucking uh, beating Tai Tuivasa. Which Tai Tuivasa looked like shit that fight again. But, um, All right. Still, but I've seen Tabora's been on a bit of a slide. If I'm not mistaken, he's lost two of his last three in the UFC, and being an unranked heavyweight and losing two of three that's a good way to get yourself cut. You better fucking win this fight if you want to stay, especially in the heavyweight division because there's not a lot of room for fucking up. If you look at the top heavyweights that are out there right now, they've been at the top for a while. Because there's not a lot shaking up the heavyweight game at this point. You have to make a statement in order to do anything. Spivak did put a little bit of hype on his train after beating Tai Tuivasa, but everybody knows Tai Tuivasa right now is strictly a, a one-punch knockout artist. Basically, Which, yeah. don't get me wrong, that has its place in MMA. Yeah, if you can do it, fucking do it, man. And we've seen several people who have established themselves as those one-shot guys. It can be done. I mean, there's Hall of Famers that were that guy. But at this point, um, Sergey had it figured out. Tabura, I'm a, I'm a fan of Tabura's, even though he's, had, he's been a bit of a train wreck lately. It's kind of a toss-up for me because, to be honest, they're equally matched, in my opinion, on this. Both of them are still pretty fucking wet behind the ears. And I think it's going to come up to who wants it more. And... Can Spivak get to the fucking ground? If Spivak gets to the ground, Tybura's in trouble. Spivak has a pretty good fucking ground game. But um, I guess if I'm going to call this one, I'm going to have to give it to Spivak because they're just purely coming off a win and Tabura coming off the back-to-back losses, not looking so hot. Yeah, I would say Spivak. I know Spivak a little more than Tybura. So, yeah. I'm gonna have to say Spivak. That's 
I don't really have anything good to say about that. <laughs> that the only other thing I have to bring up is that how many other fighters do we have from fucking Moldova in the UFC? Spivak. That's it. Basically. Basically. Oh, he's definitely going to win then. Yeah. <laughs> for, for shizzle. <laughs> okay. So, that will bring us up to the last fight that I have to talk about here on the, uh, what do you call it, uh, premier prelim situation, excuse me. Uh, the Gabriel Garcia versus Kyler Phillips. Sorry, just got a message. There we go. Um, Gabriel Silva is coming off of his only professional loss against Ray Borg when Ray Borg moved up to 135 and then even had trouble there. Um, but Kyler Phillips also has only had one professional loss. And if Kyler Phillips' name sounds familiar, he's another one of those that came from that thug nasty and Luis Pena season of The Ultimate Fighter. So we got to see what Kyler Phillips can do a little bit as well. Um, he, again, he's another one of those who... Uh, not just in the UFC, but overall as a professional, is still fairly young into his career, but has a lot, a lot of hype behind him for a good reason. He's done a lot, a lot of good work. He's also done a lot of coaching as well. So he's very, he's got a very high fight IQ to him. Um, Gabriel Silva showed a lot of promise in that fight against Ray Borg, but Ray Borg is a fucking monster to handle at any weight class. So... I can't really fault him too much for his loss against Borg. But I think IQ-wise, Kyler Phillips takes it here. And I think still being that young into their career and coming off a loss, I think Silva might not have his head as much into it as he needs to here, especially as strange of a thing as it is to say, being the quote-unquote air quotes, prelim, premier prelim fight as well. This is where all the eyes of the end of that card transitioning into the main card actually fall into place. So I think the combination of just the bigger lights for him and then Kyler Phillips just having a better fight IQ, in my opinion here, I think it's going to be too much. I think we're going to be seeing Kyler Phillips take the W. I think this one's going to be interesting, but um, one thing I do need to mention Kyler Phillips, cut your fucking hair. There's only one street Jesus, and you are not it. So, um, moving along from that, um, to be honest, Gamer Silva, he drew probably the worst fucking play you can have coming into the UFC fighting Ray Borg. As, even though Ray Borg at that point was just coming off of his hiatus, I really think that um, Gamer Silva had a sh just a shit fucking luck there. Tyler Phillips did look fucking good coming off the ultimate fighter there. Yeah. And we'll see what happens here. To be honest, I think the best thing about this fight is it's in the right spotlight position. You got two guys who are definitely have a fuck ton of potential. And this is a great way to showcase your talent uh, of what you have currently. Because um, of these guys still pretty rough around the edges. We could see that Gabriel Silva in fight. We could see it in Kyler Phillips in the Ultimate Fighter. They're still pretty rough. But um, I think you're right. This is all going to come down to fight IQ. 
um, on this one. And I'm pretty sure Kyler Phillips gets it done purely on that fact, and which is terrible for fucking Gabriel Silva because that would be back-to-back losses coming into the UFC. But it is what it is. Indeed. Yeah, I got nothing. Not, this will be the first time I see both these guys. I'm watching a Kyler Phillips fight right now. Yeah, he's he's exciting as shit, man. He's he's got crazy fucking moves and he's got great reads. Nickname the Matrix. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, he did a backflip. Yep. <laughs> It we don't take much for me. <laughs> completely armchair quarterback this one. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like the uh, 50 year old mom, soccer mom, watching it for the first time. Oh, he did a backflip. He's got to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and this is what happens when you have a card full of fluff. Right. Right. <laughs> Oh yeah, watch the watch the YouTube share, and we don't need to get hit for anything else. <laughs> Mister Nick Devine getting himself in trouble. For oh shit! YouTube I forgot I was even sharing it. Still, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus, I'm an idiot. See, he gets himself in trouble, and then comes over here to get us in trouble yeah. next. This fucking guy. Jesus. <laughs> well, there was no audio with it. We should be all right. Yeah, we hopefully. Should yeah, we should be. I, My I don't bad. anticipate I did getting yeah. that. I don't anticipate getting tagged for that. I'm totally anticipating that company from Brazil trying to hit me for Adam's cover of Tom Sawyer that we opened up with. <laughs> uh, they didn't get me. Uh, we're good. Ah, cool. We're, we should be good so far then. But I, I always anticipate that. For those who, who don't get that, there is a uh, music rights company out of Brazil that hits pretty much every video that any of us use from the uh, Adam Polarczyk cover tunes trying to say that they're actually the real songs and monetize them, which on one hand is a compliment to Adam. On the other hand, fuck you guys, man. But <laughs> we'll move along from there. So that, as it were, will bring us in to the meat and potatoes segment of the meat and potatoes portion of this meat and potatoes show. The main card. Now, much as I don't want it to be, there is still a little fluff even on the main card here even with a trim down last minute fight night oh. filler card here did you say a little there's just a little bit there's like this much um fucking fluff this much of me yeah it's i mean it's it's a very heavy jelly to pb sandwich i'll put it that way <laughs> <laughs> it's not what you're expecting as the meal so uh, i will start out by saying um, it will be interesting to see the Grant Dawson fight open up just because Grant Dawson is another one of those um, up-and-comers that does have some good potential, but I'm not nearly interested in that fight enough to, to go too far into it. Um, also, the same for the next fight for me as well. It will be interesting to see Megan Anderson getting back in at 145, not 35, so she's kind of establishing herself to try and stay on the heavier side and do less of a weight cut, which... Like I said, there's seven ladies in the women's featherweight division of the UFC. So anytime we get to see those ladies that go back and forth fighting at 45, I absolutely encourage it. I like to see that they're even on the ladies side of things when they don't have to cut the weight, they fucking don't. So I will say that props to Megan Anderson for getting back in there at 45 again. Uh, Again, unfortunately, against uh, a person who uh, has not unlocked their character's uh, avatar yet. So 
you know, sorry to uh, Miss Norma Dumont. I literally, UFC doesn't even have anything about you to look up, so it'll be interesting to see that match as well. (laughs) I would have thought you would have had more to say that just because Megan's repping KC, but, you know, what do I know? I mean, I I give her a mention. It's more than I plan to do, but... I will say it's it's nice to have her on the uh, Super Bowl championship winning teams bandwagon. Uh, so, welcome. But moving along from there, <laughs> that will bring me to one of the, I will say, more grisly portions of uh, appetizer in this main dish here. Kind of like the uh, shrimp salad that you take a bite or two out of and then kind of push around with your fork to just seem polite. Um, that being the Ian Kuntalaba versus Magomed Ankaleo fight. Um, I don't think this is going to be a very spectacular fight. This isn't going to be the big fireworks show that we generally anticipate in the, the people's co-main event slot on the UFC cards. But it is going to be interesting. Um, Ian has had a a mixed bag run of things to say the bet to say the least. Um, but that being said, I still think he has a lot of potential. I just don't think we've really seen a chance for him to, to really shine to what he's fully capable of. Um, but I feel like this might be one of those situations here. Um, Magomed is not, again, this is one of those situations where, if you're in this, if you're in the UFC, you have a certain degree of success and a certain degree of respect earned. But at the same fucking time, if you look at all these contender series motherfuckers, and then a bunch of these no-name flukes that people just getting picked up, and then people don't know who the fuck they are, where the fuck they're from. We haven't had anything to watch out for to get excited about for them. Um, I think this is one of those situations where they're going to give Ian a. A shiny soup can, as it were. He's not necessarily known to be a nobody, but he's not necessarily known, period. Versus Kuntalaba doesn't have a great household name, but he does have somewhat of an established name because we've seen him a few times. The problem then comes back to the few times that we've seen him, he's been inconsistent. So I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping this is going to be one of those situations where we see Ian Kuntalaba come out and he has a chance to really shine against someone he doesn't have to feel too threatened by. And we get to see a better performance by him and he kind of gets to showcase what he really has so we can understand whether we really should be getting on this Kuntalaba train and trying to get him some better fights and get some momentum behind him or whether he's just another guy that came in like a flash in the pan and he's starting to fizzle out once the pressure of actually fighting as a UFC fighter is starting to get to him. Um... I want to hope that we're going to see a good time here, a good shine coming from Mr. Kuntalaba. But again, in this situation, there's really no way to know. And and again, I might be hoping against hope, but I, I want to see a, a debut shine, as it were, from Ian Kuntalaba. You know, it's not really his debut. I want to see him shine like he should have from the get-go consistently. But again, we'll see. I'm just hoping against hope at this point, I think. I I don't think we're going to see that at all. I think Magomed's going to come in and wrestle fuck the shit out of him. That, well, and that's the other strong possibility. I mean, and like I said, I did not do any research on any of this card, so to be quite honest, I have no fucking clue, but 
let me um let me pull the old casual corner here for you on this one. And I won't even go casual corner that far casual. Look at Megalov. He looks like he's from Dagestan. He's he got is. the Dagestan facial features. He is not just Russian facial features. Dagestan portion of Russia. Yeah. Those guys, fucking killers when it comes to wrestling. The fights he's, we've seen him in so far in the UFC, they've been against Supercans, and he's dominated them. Albeit uh, most of those fights have gone to decision, he has dominated them through the wrestling game. I have the strange feeling we're going to see that again. Kulava, I think he was that flash in the pan. He's not looked that hot to me since the, I think, what have we seen, two or three times three times in the UFC now, I think. And he's just nothing to write home about. Well, neither is Magomedov at this point, but, uh, you know, I guess for this, for this area of the card being is all um, fucking fluff. <laughs> It really doesn't make two bits of difference. The only thing it's going to do for one of these guys is it's going to propel their career a little bit more and gives us a chance to see if any either one of them have actually improved their game at all. And at light heavyweight, that's a fucking stacked division with a lot of killers up at the top. You really got to get your shit together if you yeah. want to fucking do something there. Don't get me wrong. Kalaba, he had a fucking rough go. He had to fight Glover Teixeira. That's not a fucking easy fight for anybody, let alone a guy who is wet behind the fucking ears. Right. But at the same time, he hasn't done anything that spectacular. They went, oh, my God, he's going to be fucking fantastic. Right. Neither has Angelov, though. But we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, his last win, what's his name? Uh, I Is his name Ion or Ian? Ian. Ian. Ian Kuntalaba. Yeah, his last win was against Khalil Roundtree, Roundtree. actually. TKO that's, elbows. Yeah, and I think that's out. actually part of why I'm hoping against hope for him is because I've been a Khalil Roundtree fan since I saw him on The Ultimate Fighter. And Khalil Roundtree, up until the Kuntalaba match, really had a lot of momentum building behind him and had been looking great. And then Ian Kuntalaba fucking layered him out, so... Yeah, kind of. It's like I kind of forced into rooting for him now through my own MMA math, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I took out my dude. I want to see him either do good or get his ass kicked now. So yeah. I'm trying to. Dustin be nice. Poirier, Dustin Poirier beat Eddie Alvarez pretty much twice. I want right. him to be champ. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man. So, but it's not good that you think that it, it is. This will be his eighth fight in the UFC. Yeah. But I will, and he's lost to, he's only lost to good guys, really. Jared Conanier, uh, Glover Texterra, and Misha Sirinok. Yeah. Misha. Misha Sirkinov. Yeah, Sirkinov. Yeah. So, yeah. Hit by the arm triangle choke. Yeah, it was a great fucking fight, too. Yeah. So, um, but, I, yeah, I got to go with the, da if, yeah, I always go with the Dagestani in these fucking, in these fights. <laughs> and Definitely the, understandable. He's, he's also quite a striker, the Dagestani, because most of his, most of his finishes are all, uh, striking or ground and pound. Well, and that's generally, to, to jump on your, your, your point here, <clears throat> excuse me, 
that's definitely one of those traits that they work on in the, the Dagestani camp, which most of the Dagestani fighters come out of Khabib's father's camp. And that's one of their most, you know, like, strongly instilled theories is that if you can get them to the ground and hold them there, you don't have to be that technical because then you can ground and pound the shit out of them or get an easy submission once they're worn out. And much yeah. as I don't fucking like him, we've seen Khabib do that to almost everybody, whether they're beating the shit out of him or not. When the Dagestani wrestling kicks in and Khabib and any other of these Dagestani fighters, when that Dagestani wrestling kicks in and they take you down and they do, and then they hold you there and they do, they wear the shit out of you. And then you're just left open for either ground and pound or an easy submission. Yeah, he actually has no submissions in his career. Magomed has, yeah, he's got a lot of decisions. He's got seven by knockout, six by decision. Yikes. Yeah, this should be a good one. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup, I think. Um I, I don't think, again, I don't think this is going to be nearly as impressive as some of the, the last couple weeks and the last couple months worth of, uh, quote-unquote, people's co-main event slot fights that we've seen. Um, I don't think it's going to give us the, the big buildup like we've seen, especially like the last couple weeks. Um, but I, I do think it's going to be an interesting matchup just to see how those styles play out against each other and see who really wants to stay in the UFC at this point, really. But at this point... We've been casual enough for long enough. We can retire our casuality for, for just a little bit. Wusan and let that rabidness kind of go that we've been fevering behind our own casual name tags here. And, and bring in someone who's a little more professional at being casual. Someone who doesn't take that, that crazed fucking approach that, that we tend to sometimes do because they're... They're not that rabid of a fan. They enjoy their casuality, so we let them be the casual that they are. America's favorite casual, the world's favorite casual, the internet's favorite casual, Miss Loomy Streams. I think I think I see her out there somewhere. I saw her a second ago, I think. There we go. There we go. See? I knew she was out there somewhere. I seen her. Oh, that's the wrong camera. Hello. <laughs> Do you even stream, bro? I do. I totally do stream. <laughs> you be hitting us with that chatter angle, damn it. I was working on some shit on the site, bro. I'm trying to stall here. I was supposed to... <laughs> Something was supposed to happen here. It's not... What? What? Taken. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> One moment. Where is it? Any second now. Any second now. Hem. <clears throat> what the fuck? I can't. I just, there we go. Here we go. You just got bombarded by the fucking slowest slug of them all. He wasn't working on shit. All right. Casual corners are Kids in, days. motherfuckers. We're ready to go. Larry, which fight are we going for? The main event or the co-main event? Uh, let's go main. All right. Oh, you're starting on top? You want to finish with the ladies? Where's the problem with that? All right. It's just 
he knows I can't pronounce this fucker's name. Davison Figueredo. Davison Figueredo. There's no A there. Davison Figueredo. <laughs> <laughs> Who is blue? He's blue. Going yes. against Joseph Benavides. Benavides. You can just call him Mr. Olivi. We're just going with Joseph. Or red. Red. Red for Joseph. Blue for Davison. All right, Larry, what's your input before I go all casual? Uh, by, I'm going to have to say I'm going with Figueredo. Good call. Going with, which color is that? You're going with blue? Smurf. You're going with a Smurf. Oh, oh, look at you. <clears throat> I think I'm going against... No, I am. I'm going with the Smurf. The Smurf has only 19, 18% decisions, 35% submissions, oh, KO, TKO, 47. So, you look the, at that? Yeah, Figueritos is. You, were you judging him by his hair? I'm basing on the fact we've seen him fight before. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Maybe yeah, Larry, Larry's watched some of his fights with us before. I think well, one I day don't... me and Lumi have to switch spots. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Screw it. I'm going with Figueredo and Devison because he's only got 18% decision. The extra ironic bit is that he's the blue corner with the red stripe in his hair. That's going to throw people off. Yes, it will. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the co-main event. We got Felicia Spencer versus Zara. Fern. Yep. Uh, Cana <laughs> a Canadian and a French. Man, this yep. one's tough. Which one do I not like? The Depends. Does the French still retreat? Uh, it's a pretty good chance that the, the Canadians uh, of French descent, I know that. Maybe. Maybe. All right, let's 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 just look at the decisions. All right, Red, who is Felicia, has 29% decisions. Blue, Zara, has 33. So that's actually not too bad of a difference right there. The blue, the Smurf, Zara, has 67% KOTKO, so I'm going for her. Please don't retreat. Interesting. <laughs> uh, this pains me. I'm going to have to agree with Lumi. I, it's, I just want to see sleepy times. <laughs> Before like I time. go sleepy times. True. True that. All right. That's my casual input. <laughs> Thank you yep. for your casualities. Catch you guys later. Later! So that was a, a dual casual invasion for uh, General Lumi Organa and the Mandalorian himself. Thank you both for your, your casual inputs. Much appreciated, folks. But that will bring us back into the rabidity that is the meat and potatoes section the co-main event the 
au gratin side dish to the main course, the co-main event of the evening, won by Felicia Spencer versus Zara Fern Dos Santos. This is probably the best matchup in the women's featherweight division I think we have available at the moment. Not the best there is, but I think at the moment it's the best that we have got. Um, Felicia Spencer's only professional loss came to Cyborg in a very, very tough-fought fucking battle. She is tough as fucking nails. Former Invicta champion stood toe-to-toe with fucking Cyborg and went way longer than 98% of all her opponents have gone and really had Cyborg in trouble several times. Um, Zara, on the other hand, has a lot of potential but hasn't really been... That exciting, I guess, would be the the best way to phrase it here. Um, I think it's going to come down, really, to who wants to be the face of the featherweight division once Amanda moves on. Because Amanda doesn't have that many fights left in her to begin with. Regardless of how much you might want to see her around, Amanda's got some miles on her. And she's now actively contending with both divisions going back and forth. That puts extra fucking miles on you. So as much as we might like to think, Amanda's not going to be around forever. And she's not going to be able to play both divisions for too terribly much longer. And from what she has said, when it comes time to make a decision, she said she would stay with 35 and let the 45 belt go. So that means that at some point, all of these ladies who are fighting at 45, your Megan Andersons, your Felicia Spencers, have to have back here at some point that they could be the next face of 45. And if that's what you want to be, you got to come out and be dominant and you've got to be devastating. And we saw Felicia Spencer give us a little taste of that in that Cyborg fight. I think we're going to see her come back just as good, if not better, than we saw her last time. I think this is going to be a damn good co-main event, but I think Miss Spencer, I think by Felicia, goes home with a W. Oh, where do you even start with this nonsensical shit? I didn't, this is one of those fights I, I literally looked at and was like, I really don't want to talk about it because there's... <laughs> I don't give a shit about this fight, to be quite honest. Yeah. Look, I get it. We have a lack of athletes in the women's division in 145. I will 100% agree with that because guess what? Um, it's fucking ugly right now, the 145 women's division. Purely on the fact of um, there's no fucking buddy in that division. Um, it, it's for lack of better terms, it's just an add-on at this point that UFC could possibly delete at any moment. Yeah. Um, because they're not playing in enough fighters for that. Now, the only fault that is, is the UFCs. Because there are 145 women out in other organizations oh, yeah. that are fucking fantastic that would do great in the UFC. Absolutely. But this whole UFC, we only need two, three divisions. No. You need a 145-pound division. The women, I'm using this term loosely, the bigger women that are in the 145-pound division, I'm using that very loosely because I double their fucking weight, but, um, you know, or damn near, I, I look at it and I go, 
there's no reason why we shouldn't have at least a 50 fighter fucking stall. Yeah. And now not all of them are going to be fucking great, but they should have enough of the women's featherweight there to have um, a fantastic division. All right. Because look, we know strawweight stack. We know flyweight is stacked. Bantamweight is stacked for these women. Yep. Featherweight. Um, where are all your featherweight fighters? I'm sure there are plenty of people that could come and fight in the featherweight division, but at this point, you literally have fucking, I think it's eight fighters in total, maybe nine, if I remember correctly. And that's including the champ who's going back and forth between. I was going to say, it's eight counting Amanda. Yeah, and that's going back and forth between 135 and 145. Megan to be included in this. Yep, same with Holly. Uh, no, Holly's doing I'm, 45 and yep. 30. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying, if we're counting them, we got to count them all. Yeah, this is true. I think the only ones that are who have really stayed at that is Felicia Spencer. Yeah. Uh, well, and actually, that. to that point, Jermaine Durandamy, too, was the 145 champ until she relinquished a belt because Cyborg stepped into the fucking mix. That's a whole different issue. And but to be honest, still, still I wish 35 you... now. Yep. Should have stayed at 145 because obviously the work in that she put on Amanda that forced Amanda to have to actually wrestle. Yeah, at 45 might have been a whole she, different ball game. Yeah, that might have been a whole different fucking ball game at Agreed. 45. But hey, I'm not here to judge. You do you. Uh, right. To be honest, that's a fight I'd love to see ran back because yeah. really, she gave her a good run for her. Money. I, yeah, I agree. I'd like to see that run back at 45. Fuck yes, because guess the, the run she gave her for her money in that fight. It, it, it impressed a lot of people. It impressed a lot of people, pros and, I, and us, know, casual folk alike. I, I think a lot of people forgot how good Dream Man May actually is on her. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. She was and, a world champion for a fucking reason. And I can't fault her for relinquishing the 45 Tom belt. When Not at all. She she did the same thing. I was going to say, she did it in another this, organization too, yeah. She did it in another organization, and... She also did the same thing Ronda Rousey did. Said she refused to fight somebody who is a known cheater. Yep. And Whether she's know, clean now or not. And exactly. I can't fault them for that. Not, I was going to say, I'm right there with you. I can't fault them for that. That's a fucking matter of having morals. And I will always fucking agree with having morals and standing up for yours. Yep. And so, but, you know, fortunately, we're not talking about them fighting. Because <laughs> if that was the case, I'd be a hell of a lot more excited right now. Uh, this nonsensicalness. I'm more excited about the Megan Anderson fight than I am this fight, to be quite honest. Uh, Felicia Spencer takes the fight here. I'm pretty sure of that. I mean, unless DeMont pulls some fucking crazy shit out of her ass, I don't think she wins this fight. And to be honest, none of the girls that are in the 145-pound division right now, none of them, I can't see as a face of the 145. Okay, well, let me let me rephrase this. I can see two being the face of 145 after Amanda's done. But that's only because they're well-known names, and that's it. And that's Felicia Spencer and Megan Anderson. Yeah. That's only because they're names. That's it. They're not that fantastic. Megan Anderson has had flashes of greatness. Even, albeit one of her fights ended with a toe in the eye, not on purpose, but, you know, you kick somebody in the face, it can happen. Yep. Felicia Spencer, she's had a good run at 145, and she's been a very solid fighter. 
we've seen that. But I'm just saying there's so many more potential 145ers the UFC could get their hands on in the women's division that would shake this up so fucking much. It's ridiculous. I mean, um, what's her name from fucking Bellator in 145? Um, God damn it, I can't even think of the fucking name. Poach that bit. There's a couple of them over there that oh, they yeah. should be poaching. Try to poach them. I don't think they're going to because they make a fuck ton more money in Bellator, but, you know, right. I'm just saying, there's a, there's a lot out there. And why don't why aren't we running a contender series for the 145 or a fucking, for Christ's sakes, a tough series for 145? Right. No shit. Because guess what? Nine times out of ten, the tough series brings in more than just the fucking guy who actually wins the fucking contract. Yeah, they, they usually bring, bring in three, couple. four fighters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you go all the way back to... Kyler Phillips. Fucking... We talked yeah. about him just a little while ago. Kyler Phillips. That's literally where he came from. Ultimate fighter. Yeah, Luis exactly. Pena. Same thing. Ultimate fighter. I'm just saying, it, for this fight, this fight, to be honest, I, it doesn't make sense other than the fact that they wanted to throw a 145 fight in there, and these girls were probably jumping at the bit to get a big check. And, you know, I can't fault them for going out there and getting their paycheck, but it's just not, to be honest, this fight was probably better off to start the card than it was to fucking be the co-main event. I, yeah, fact, I agree. I could go back and I, I would, without hesitation, say I could go to the prelim card and say I would rather see Marcin Tabura and Spivak be the fucking co-main events on this card. Yeah, I completely agree there as well. But, yeah. you know, I don't run the cards here, so we just have to put up with the shit show. Murphy, Mataferi, and Eubanks, all from one UFC female yeah. Um, thing. Yeah, and they're all in the UFC. And none of them won either. So there's actually four. Yep. Yeah, there's actually four of them that came from that one. I forget who won that. Well, um, you also got to think Carlos Barza, Rose Namajunas, Jessica Andrade, they all came from the same from the inaugural 125 season of Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. And only Carla won. And how many of them have held the title already? Yeah, exactly. exactly. You don't have to win it to be a good fucking fighter. All yeah, all you three of them ladies have touched the belt. in the house. Yeah. Right? They should they should just get together a couple fighters that like that are probably on their way out. Like, get, like, um, they don't have to fight at the end. The coaches don't have to fight at the end. Get, like, um, Chris Weidman and fucking Daniel Cormier to be the coaches. They don't have right. to fight at the end. And just do that. That seemed like it was – I don't know if Chris Weidman's ever been a coach. I think he has. But Honestly, they don't want to do that because that takes away from the, oh, my God, we're building up a fight factor. Right. Yeah. Which fucking bullshit because you know what don't get me wrong it was great when it first started because they were having meaningful fights yep now i'm going <clears throat> why are these two dojo why yeah I just agree. make the fucking fight we don't care about the rest of it there's no build up to that it's not making anything interesting it's not like the days back when rampage was fucking coaching you knew you were gonna see some crazy shit i was just right. thinking that when he fucked that door up that was yeah. Fucking oh yeah awesome. Or fucking TJ and Cody when Cody grabbed him by the fucking throat, middle of the yeah. fucking room full of people. <laughs> yeah, there's been some interesting Ultimate Fighter fucking seasons that have turned out both great fights from the coaches at the end and great fighters that have been brought into the UFC because of it. So I completely agree. I think a, a tough series for the 145 ladies would do the UFC a world of fucking good. 
Yeah. So I'm going to pick Felicia Spencer just because of the name and she's a solid fighter and hopefully she wins this. So Holly home could get another title shot. It's true. That's true. <laughs> it's true. Well, and the, the thing that people forget is that before she made her way over to the UFC specifically to make her debut against cyborg, she was the Invicta 145-pound champion that stepped in after Cyborg left Invicta and had ruled the ladies' 145 division in Invicta until she came over here to finally get her fight with Cyborg, which she had been angling for in Invicta since before Cyborg left. So Felicia Spencer is no fucking shy away from fucking opposition here. So if she can get her shit going the way that she needs to, she can really start to take over this 145-pound division, I think. But we'll have to see how Saturday plays out. And with that being said, that will bring us to the meat of meat and potatoes that is the meat and potatoes portion in this meat and potatoes segment of the meat and potatoes part of the show. This particular main course that we are being presented with is, again, an interesting dish. It appears on face value to be a beautiful cut of filet mignon served on a silver tray brought to you served flambe or flambéed tableside but when you cut into it and you look a little deeper it's just fucking casey strip cut pretty joseph benavidez versus diego excuse me versus davison figueredo for the 125 pound belt this fight while i i will not dispute will be a very again interesting fight is not exactly what it's being built up to be either. We're back at this point in the UFC where as much as the guys that are there are screaming to not do it, the rest of the fandom and even a lot of the pros are back to the point where realistically we're done with the fucking men's flyweight division. To a certain degree, we're almost done with the fucking men's bantamweight division in the UFC as well. But for sure, at this point, the men's flyweight division is just fucking sad. It's the same seven fucking dudes cycling through the fucking top again now that DJ's gone. Nobody can establish themselves at the top. Cringe Hudo has fucked everything up by trying to bottleneck both divisions here. It's just... The, the men's 125 division in the UFC is very much akin to the women's 145-pound division. Yes, there are some names there, but nobody really wants to fucking see them at this point. This is a title fight on a fight night card that you almost couldn't pay people to show up to watch if this were a pay-per-view they'd sell nine of them is what i'm saying it's a title fight that no one can get excited about this is a title that's been vacated and you have air quotes the top two title contenders fighting for a vacant belt on a fight night and no one could give a shit less there are no exciting fights left in the UFC men's 125-pound division. There just aren't. The few fights that are there to be made aren't exciting because we've already seen most of them fight. And the ones that we haven't just aren't fucking dominant enough to really bring the fandom and to bring the attention to the division. 
it's hard to justify keeping the 145-pound women and the 125-pound men in the UFC right now. That being said, the fight that we got is the fight that we've got. Joseph Benavidez, Mr. Olivi versus Davison Figueredo, Mr. Red Stripe. It's, it's going to be an action-packed match. The last time we saw Benavidez against Juicier Formiga was a fucking great fight for what it was. Benavidez was still trying to swing a little above his fucking pay grade, I think, but that's kind of his style. He doesn't really hold back. There's not a lot of stop in Joseph Benavidez for the good or for the bad. That being said, we have a very similar opposition in Davis and Figueredo. We've seen him have a little bit of difficulty at times with some better wrestlers. We've seen him have a little bit of difficulty at times with better strikers. Luckily for him, I don't think Joseph Benavidez is either one of those compared to him. <clears throat> I think Figueredo is the better striker. I think he's the better grappler. I think he's faster, but where I think Benavidez has the benefit or has the advantage here is his kicks. Figueredo, for the fast guy that he is, for the fucking strong guy that he is, for the agile guy that he is, doesn't throw a lot of kicks, and we've seen him have problems getting around kicks to get his game plan initiated before. That being said, we've seen Benavidez lean way too heavy on those fucking kicks. If you go back and just look at that Formiga fight, he was absolutely devastating when he landed those kicks, but he did the dice thing too much. He went to the fucking well too many fucking times, and you could read that fucking kick coming like a children's book with three words per fucking page. You knew where it was coming from. You knew where it was going. And for the most part, it was easy to get around. The few that landed were really lucky kicks. And we've seen that happen in more than enough fights to know that I'm pretty sure we're going to see it again in this fight. Especially since Formiga is such a fucking quick and such an agile opponent. You're going to want to try and throw kicks, keep them at range, slow them down with the low kicks, work them in. But... I think Mr. O'Leavy's going to do the dice thing again too much because that's kind of what he does. I think he's going to get predictable, and I think Figueredo is going to fuck him up and take that belt, but I still don't think it's going to bring any more fucking eyes to the flyweight division. You know, there's a couple of things that are really fucking interesting on this here. Um, namely, a little bit of... I'm going to start with the worst thing we hate to do with these type things. Um, I'm going to start with the fucking MMA mask. <laughs> Alright. You kind of have to with uh, this one, though. Yeah. Figueredo has lost to Formiga. Benavides, his last win was against Formiga. Uh -huh. So just starting there, they've both beaten some of the same fucking fighters. However, Figueredo has come off of a fucking immaculate fucking fight where he beat the brakes off of Elliot and subbed him in the first round. That choked, though. That choked, though. I'm t and Elliot was one with that fucking rocking mullet I thought was <laughs> going to be going places. Apparently, there was a little too much um, heaviness on the head there. It's, that uh, It's been a bad couple fights for mullet rockers lately, really. It, yeah, we, we've seen some poor performances from mullets here. And Combat look, Wombat got his, too. Shit. I'm just saying, the mullet is a great thing for hockey. 
<laughs> I think it's time for us to do away with it in MMA. Uh, that is hockey here, guys. This isn't hockey. You want to fight in hockey with a mullet? Put some skates on, go get in the rink, get the fuck out of the octagon. That's it. <laughs> Nothing against the mullet, but obviously there's there's a trend going on here that we need to address. But no, um, Figueroa looked fucking fantastic. First round sub, he obviously deserves this shot at the vacated title. Um, uh, fuck, I, look, Benavides, I, look, he's, he's always been solid. That's, that's all I can really say here. How he's got the, still the number one rank in the 125 division, I don't fucking know how that's happening. But that's neither here nor there. I have to give credit where credit's due. You made it there. Good job, blah, blah, blah. The one thing I am hoping is that, being as his wife is such a great fucking job on the TV, that she's been able to go through enough videos where she's there at the fight <laughs> to show, hey, this is what you shouldn't be doing over and over and over and over and over and over. Oh, I'm sorry. My record got broken there. Um, same concept here with Benavides doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, so it's, I, I think the way uh, uh, fucking Figueredo's looked lately, he's going to be able to read that like a book. He's going to know what's coming because, to be honest, we haven't seen Joseph Benavides actually evolve much. Not in a long time, really. Whereas Jason Figueroa, excuse me, he's been fucking constantly changing and getting better. If you go back six fights in the UFC, he not even six, you can go back four fights. He was a completely different fighter four fights ago than what he is now. And he's progressively gotten better. I'm just Benavides is in for a long night, and I hope Megan Levy has some fucking special soup or some sort of ice pack ready at the house because it's going to be a rough day for just Benavides. He's not going to come home looking so pretty anymore. Luckily, um, you don't need to carry the pretty when your wife does it for you. I'm just saying, man. hats off. You got to smoke in our life, whatever, dude. But uh, I don't think um, Benavides has a chance in this fight. I really don't because. He's going to go to the well. We know that. Uh, it's literally, for this, I'm going to uh, kin him to the boy that cries wolf. Does the same thing over and over, and everybody runs, oh, my God, oh, my God. Eventually, they're just going to say, yeah, we've heard this before, and bam, they're shutting the fucking door on you. In steps Figueredo. He's the fucking wolf in this case. You've cried it one too many times. It's all over, son. Yeah, well, listen, the Great White Shark hasn't evolved in millions of years, and it's still a badass motherfucker, you know? They get eaten by killer whales. Shut the fuck up with that nonsense. Hey, I'll I'll, I'll say this way. I I ain't saying I'm not talking about killer whales. All I'll say is, as badass as a Great White Shark is, octopus fuck them up. Yeah, but an octopus only lives for two years. But they're all jelly. Yeah, they jam don't swim like that. Jelly's good. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually I'm gonna go with Benavides just because of the longer career, and I do. He, listen, the two the 125 weight division is a little 
lackluster, but I do like. I didn't even know this was a title fight until you said it, Meter. I didn't yeah, even man. realize. This so, is for the belt they stripped from Henry. Yeah, yeah. So I think that it's awesome that these guys have a chance. I don't know. Has Benavides has had a chance at the belt though before, right? No, no? this is his first title shot. This yeah, is his. So, uh, this is one of his. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, always a bridesmaid, never a bride situation. He's always uh, been yeah. like the number one contender, but he's never been given the shot. And now the one time he gets his fucking title shot, it's because they stripped the guy who had the fucking belt. Yeah, I hope he wins because I would like to see him and Cejudo go back at it. If Cejudo could make that weight, still, I'm sure he can. But um, it's good that you give these guys a chance because the like, just imagine coming up in 125 since you were i don't know 22 and you get into the ufc and your goal is to get that fucking belt and then the ufc takes that belt away it's just good to fucking get that fucking chance maybe this should be the last one i don't know but then they have to do something with them other guys i know we talked about this before starting another uh another uh kind of ufc side thing where there's 125s and 135s and stuff but it's good that they get their shot, and it's actually a good fight because these, yeah, this is actually a good fight. It, it can be. It, it could also be a very quick fight too. Right. So, yeah, it definitely has potential to be interesting. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Benavidez because that was my first thoughts. But Figueredo, whatever his name is, <laughs> is uh, he's he is a scary little 125er. Fuck yeah, he is. Well, and the other points that I would say. For, for Figueredo, one, his only, only one professional loss on 18 fights is to Juicy A. Formega. And he came back from that loss and looked fucking spectacular. So we've seen that Davison can take a loss and it's not going to break his fucking stride. Like true champion potential, he took a loss, owned it, fixed the holes in his fucking game and came back better than before. So I, I definitely think in my opinion, at least that gives him the edge. But the other thing that a lot of folks might not even know is that on Davis and Figueredo's farm, they don't have horses. They ride fucking water Buffalo, literally slap a saddle on a fucking water Buffalo and ride it just like a big ass tanked out motherfucking horse. Like, it's nothing for them. He put his fucking toddler on a fucking water buffalo in the saddle and walked that bitch around like it was no big deal. He came galloping across the fucking field in the road to the fucking fight build-up promo that they showed on his fucking water buffalo at like 30 miles an hour with no shirt, just trotting along like a country badass out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like, that's a level of tough you're not going to find in Mr. O'Levy and his fucking silk sheets that he wakes up that his wife bought for him. Like... It's, it's going to be an interesting match for sure, but I think I just think Figueredo is more hungry for it at this point. I think Olivi has always been the bridesmaid and never a bride for a reason. I think Figueredo, on the other hand, has kind of earned his chopping steps all the way up to the fucking top of the peak here, and I think he, he deserves to be in this position more than Benavidez does, to me at least. You know, that brings up a good little point. I wonder how it feels to be a professional MMA fighter. And at a very high peak in the game, I might add, but still not be the breadwinner in your household. To the journalist who covers your sport? Yeah, I'm just saying. Uh, if you got it, flaunt it, maybe? Is that how that works? I mean, 
it's it's definitely a unique situation. That's for damn sure. <laughs> definitely not something we see every day. That's, that's for right. Sure. It's right. It's not. It's not the ordinary arrangement we're accustomed to at this point. I completely agree. Well, yeah. with recent breakthroughs in science, I mean, he could change that. People are changing their sexes every day. So that's true. It's twenty twenty. Stranger things could happen. He's got to hop on the good foot and do the bad thing sometimes. Right. We might end up with Mrs. Olivia and Mr. Benavides in a right. different position. Uh, <laughs> just saying he ain't pretty enough for that. I, yeah, I, I, I could probably agree with that. <laughs> but that is all we have for this particular episode. We have given you our thoughts, top to bottom, casual, non-casual, extra bonus casual. We gave you as much as we possibly could in this particular episode. So if you enjoyed what we have given to you, I would ask humbly for a thumbs up. If we made you giggle, gave you some, some nice things to laugh about, maybe subscribe. If we really tickled your funny bone, give you some points of view you maybe didn't have before, consider sharing an episode. We're, we're trying to grow this damn thing. On the other side of that coin, though, if we're just a couple of dipshits talking in front of a camera without knowing what the fuck we're actually saying, give us a thumbs down. We earned it, and we won't dispute it. But before we get out of here, I do want to take just a moment here and thank all of these fine folks who have helped me make this particular episode everything that it was. Thanks again to General Lumi Organa and the Mandalorian for their random casual pop-ins. And now, if for some reason here, somebody just needs to know where they can get the best cheesesteak in Philly before catching the bum fights. How are they going to be able to get a hold of you to find that out, Mr. Divine? You can get a hold of me at n.divine83 on Instagram and YouTube. And actually, I'm about to set free a video right after this that I did earlier. Uh, so... If you need something to watch before bed or I don't know where you're from, maybe you're just waking up. It'll be there. Nice. Nice. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Much appreciated as always. And now if at this point in the game, somebody does not understand where to get the best fried cheese curds waiting for a Packers game, how are they going to be able to get that information from you, TJ? All they have to do is show up at my door. I'll take them straight to the bar where they're at. There you but, go. But um, <laughs> you can catch me on Wednesday nights right here on the YouTube, Sculpty Vapes, 9.30 Central Time. And message me on the Instagrams. I don't post on that, but I will gladly return a message to you. And if it's funny, you'll definitely get a response. <laughs> but um, sorry you had to put up with all of our fluff tonight because, well, when you're in a 70s porn set, that's what you get for the week. Fluff. Or fluffers. As it were. <laughs> True that. Thank you very much again for your time, sir. Always appreciated. So that is all we have for this particular episode, ladies and gentlemen. Again, thank you very much for tuning in. Whether you are here with us live, thank you all for chiming along. Whether you're catching this on the replay, I appreciate you as well. Whether you are listening to this in the all audio version, which gets released the Friday morning following our Thursday night recordings over on anchor.fm slash I'm no Joe. Also, subsequently, if you are watching this and need something to listen to when you're out and about, Anchor's got all of our I'm No Joe episodes from the first one all the way up until this one. Subsequently, on the other side of that, if you are only listening to us Thursday nights, 9.30 Central Time, p.m.-ish, we go live pretty much every week and we do these things right here on YouTube. 
give us a gander. It might be a little more entertaining. But either way, thank you very much to the folks who have tuned in. Keep your eyes peeled. We've got so much behind the scenes going right now. I promise you, if this entertains you, you're going to love what we've got coming up next. But that's it for this particular episode. So remember, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Unless some fucking how Mike Bloomberg has paid you to say that Epstein didn't kill himself. In which case, the only thing I can say is... Wouldn't you like to get